0: Having lived abroad several times, I'm endlessly fascinated by stories of people packing their bags and heading off in search of a place to call home, even if it's for a short time. Anyone who's ever relocated to another country is familiar with the range of emotions that can come with it, from anticipation, excitement and fun, to disappointment, stress, heartache and sometimes even trauma. In the countless conversations I've had with people about this topic, one thing has become clear. Whilst all the things that people feel are usually the same, every story is different. This podcast explores each guest's journey abroad and sometimes back home again. It explores the question, what is home? Is it just a place of residence or something more than that? Welcome to the Residence Podcast. All the way back in 2004, after having lived in Melbourne for four or so years in the wake of graduating high school, I made the decision, like many others, to have an adventure overseas. I was pretty stubborn in my resolve, and decided that my ticket would be strictly one way. I was ready to do something big. I'd been working odd jobs in Melbourne, at a few cafes, but mainly in retail, and had actually had some luck as a bit of a TV actor. And up until this point, I was sure that the performing arts was going to be the path I took in life, until I discovered language learning and a whole world completely outside my own. I ended up focusing on Swedish as I already had a handful of phrases down and had met a lot of people from the country. Why Swedish? People would sometimes turn their noses up and ask me. When are you ever going to use that? I couldn't really answer that question. I just knew it was something that I was enjoying and I had no plan to stop anytime soon. Around the same time my dad told me about an ad he'd recently found in the paper from a school that specialised in TESOL certification. My father, always the beacon of logic and practicality, was like, well why don't you get a qualification and take it abroad with you, seeing as you're so interested in this language stuff. At first I couldn't really get my head around the idea of me becoming an educator, I was never really great at school. I decided to give it a shot anyway, and completed my course online and with some face-to-face practical tasks. I was now a newly accredited TESOL teacher. Three months prior to this I didn't even know what that was. So not only now was I making swift progress in a foreign language, but I was also set to become someone who would teach my own. I knew I wanted to go to Sweden, but I was told that it might be a bit of a slog trying to find work there as I was a little underqualified. I was told a lot of Western Europe would be the same. Maybe London, people would suggest. Like not as a teacher, but maybe at a bar and travel to Sweden or wherever else. This wasn't enough for me though. I wanted to go somewhere where English wasn't spoken. I wanted to completely immerse myself in another culture and language, and become fluent. After chatting with one of the trainers at my course, they suggested Central and Eastern Europe. Specifically, Poland or Czech Republic. After doing a bit of research on these countries, I quickly fell in love with this idea. I applied to a few jobs in both places and received little response. Until one day, I finally got an email from a teacher at a school in a small town in Poland. What the hell is Osvencim? I thought to myself. After a bit of research, I came to realise that this small town in the south of Poland had actually gone by another name before. A name much more famous. A name that evoked much more than feelings of confusion as to the town's whereabouts. That name? Auschwitz. I looked up a few images online, trying to get a sense of what the town was like. But all I could really find were pictures of the camps. Pictures from that horrific period 75 years ago. As scared as I was, I was also fascinated. Here I was, sitting on the computer at my dad's house, a naive 21 year old, 35 degrees outside, and I was looking at pictures of a snow-blanketed town where one of the most heinous acts of genocide in history took place. Is this really somewhere I want to go and live indefinitely? I thought to myself. Something told me though, as terrified as I was, that it had the potential to be something pretty special. I got in touch with a teacher and co-founder at the school, Andrzej, an English guy with a Polish name. He explained everything to me about the job, the town, and what I needed to do and prepare before I got there. He put my mind at ease. And after that call, I'd made my decision. My first stop would be Sweden, and my second, Poland. I would fly into Stockholm, then take the train to the south of Sweden, and then I would take the ferry to Poland. I arrived in Sweden, Stockholm, in late February 2005. It was possibly the most exciting thing I'd ever experienced, right from the moment when I exited the airport into the freezing cold weather. It was the first time I'd ever seen snow in a city. I stayed with a Swedish friend I'd met in Melbourne a couple of years before, in the suburb of Kungsholmen. He and a couple of other guys I met in Melbourne showed me around the city, its sights, its nightlife, took me to a few parties, and then I eventually made my way to the south to stay with another friend, to a city called Malmö. After a couple of days of a bit more sightseeing in the city of Malmo, a day trip to Copenhagen, and some overall regrouping after Stockholm's shenanigans, it was time to make my way to my new home. And this is where the real adventure would begin. My nerves had been building up during the week. I'd had a great time in this country with people I knew speaking brokenly in a language I was familiar with. And here I was, getting ready for the complete unknown. My friend dropped me off at Malmo train station and I made the hour-long train journey to a small coastal town called Istad, where I was to get on the ferry and depart to another small coastal town in Poland whose name I couldn't pronounce. I can now, though. Svinnolstje, it was called. During my time in Sweden, my friends had unintentionally added to my fear around my endeavour, informing me that Poland was very poor, very grey and full of poverty. They, of course, had never been there. I also had the luck of chatting to a random suite on the way to Eastport about my plans, after which she informed me that there had been some recent stabbings at that port, you know, where your boat's departing. I couldn't tell whether she was joking or not. Maybe she sensed my self-doubt and fear and thought it would be fun to play on that a bit. Or maybe, I thought to myself, she's telling the truth. Maybe I am going to get stabbed. Outside, strong winds began to thrust dense snowfall in different directions, whilst visibility had decreased significantly. I knew that the port was roughly 500 metres directly opposite the train station, and when I arrived, I wasted no time in trudging my way across the field through the snow to get to the port. Miraculously, when I looked up from under my hood for the first time in about 100 metres, I was lucky to see it had appeared in front of me. There was no one there though. Not a soul in sight. I looked at my watch and I realised I had an hour until my journey. So I headed to the small town centre that was only slightly visible and sat in a random bar for an hour. When I returned to the port, the weather had abated somewhat. In the queue for the ferry, I observed how different the crowd was compared to what I'd become accustomed over the last fortnight. Young, soft-spoken, light-haired, fashion-conscious Swedes had been replaced by a row of shaved heads, solid builds, stoic expressions, and echoes of a hard, abrupt language that was not only foreign, but was simultaneously intimidating. Eventually I boarded the ferry with everyone else. Sitting in my cabin, alone, with no windows, I decided to get out my journal. I wrote down some of the experiences I'd had in Sweden. Things that were terrifying me about my current situation. I even wrote a letter to my future self asking if I was currently laughing about what I was reading. After a bit of time alone in the cabin, I decided to head to the bottle shop and buy a six pack of Jivets. I drank a couple back in my room whilst finishing my journaling and then headed back out to the main area. I stopped and stood at a window. The weather was still pretty intense and as the buzz of the beer kicked in, I watched the waves crash into one another and tried to make the moment last, because I knew, soon, I'd arrive at my destination. When we arrived, I stepped off the ferry and into the terminal. I approached a couple of guys dressed all in black who looked like they worked there, just to ask where the nearest hotel was. I decided to try my hand at Polish and greet them, using what I thought meant hello. What did I say? I walked up to them and I said, Chech. He laughed at me straight away. "Ya?" He asked, which means me. He responded in shock. I decided to go with what was the safest. Do you speak English by any chance? I asked him. They shook their heads and walked away. I later learned that while I was trying to say, Chech, which is actually an informal greeting, I shouldn't have been using anyway because I didn't know the guys. What I actually said was Chech, which means something like janitor but it's actually quite a derogatory term. As much as I like fresh air, the crisp winter wasn't a welcome change from the five and a half hours on the ferry and my stuffy cabin. Standing in the middle of a slippery road, snow piled up on both sides, I shivered. I adjusted my huge backpack and waited for someone else to appear. Someone I could ask the whereabouts of an ATM because, not surprisingly, I hadn't planned ahead and withdrawn any Polish money. Excuse me, do you speak English? A young woman slowed down and politely, but hurriedly, shook her head. Uh, I tried Swedish next. Protrusenska? She laughed and shook her head. Bankomat? Is there a bankomat around here? She finally nodded and pointed to an area of the town that stretched right along the beach and was probably half a kilometre away. Thank you, I said, as she disappeared around a corner. Out of nowhere, another young man appeared almost homeless looking in appearance. He was dressed entirely in black and wore a black beanie like pretty much every other male I'd seen since I got on the boat. Do you need a place to stay? He was using a combination of Swedish and English, but I was sure he was local. Absolutely, I responded, in Swedish. I just decided to run with it at this point. Okay, follow me. He then headed for a narrow opening of a dark forested area and disappeared before almost instantly reappearing and asking me, are you coming with? Now I'm all about safety and going with your gut, but I was really out of options here. My choices were simple, either head into the forest with this unidentified Swinglish speaking person hanging around a dark ferry terminal late at night, or sit in the snow until the sun came up and try to find a train that would take me to Krakow in the morning. I picked up my large backpack and followed him into the darkness. We were knee-deep in snow the entire time. He made his way through the area confidently like he'd done it a million times before. Occasionally, falling very clumsily into the snow, the weight of my bag making it harder to get back up. Gradually, light crept into the forest as we neared an exit, and the trees began to space out a bit, and some small shops and residences came into sight. And for the first time since arriving there, I saw something I understood, a sign that read, hotel. He helped me get a room at this place, which at the time was entirely empty. When I initially thought he might be trying to rob me, it was now looking like he probably just wanted to help people in exchange for a bit of pocket money, probably from the hotel manager and from people like me. He led me back out into the cold, as I'd mentioned to him that I wouldn't mind getting something to eat. I figured I could trust him at this point. We went to a bar and restaurant on the beach where they served beer and kebabs and played 80s music. It was like nothing I'd become accustomed to in Sweden over the last fortnight. I'd only learnt a bit about communism and the so-called Eastern Bloc in the months prior to leaving for Europe, but I knew that what I was seeing and experiencing at the time was a country that was part of this, that was behind that infamous Iron Curtain. I had begun to feel a bit more comfortable with this guy, but I hadn't completely shaken the thought that he could roll me at any moment. That a few buddies of his from the boat had been monitoring this petrified 22 year old from Sweden and were about to shake him down for everything he owned, all shoved into that oversized backpack that was half the size he was. Throughout the conversation, I mentioned that I was going to Krakow to meet my new boss in the morning. It was a 10 hour train journey And I could feel my sense of adventure slowly being drained from me as a result of alcohol, fatigue, nerves and missing my friends in Sweden. I also couldn't face getting up early in the morning and trying to navigate the ticket office as it was starting to look like, at least in this town, not many people spoke English. He told me to meet him at the train station not far from here at 7am. Who the hell was this guy? I thought to myself. Several beers, and a bit of food later, he helped me stumble back to my hotel, where in my room, which actually looked more like a prison cell than anything else, I accidentally dropped and smashed my only alarm clock. It'd be a fitful sleep. Miraculously, though, I was able to wake up at around 5.30, shower, eat at a nearby cafe, and make it to the train station where he helped me buy a ticket. I was on the train to Krakow, with an hour-long stopover in a town called Poznan. I remember him waving to me as the train pulled out of the station. I looked back, out the window, and a couple of seconds later, I saw him helping another young man with a backpack, pointing to the small town we'd just left. On the train, my fear had abated, but my mood hadn't lifted. It was so different to what I'd become accustomed in this short time. The trains were fairly old looking and it was starting to fill up quickly with people speaking that intense language again. Polish, at the time, sounded like a big jar full of bees and wasps being shaken up viciously. I could smell cigarette smoke coming from somewhere, and right as I was about to dump my big backpack on the rails, a voice from behind me barked, BILLET! After checking my ticket, I sank down into the seat and put my headphones on. I remember looking out the window and wondering again what I was getting myself into. Sweden was a good introduction to Europe for an Australian who'd never been abroad, but this was something totally different. A lot of small towns seemed very close to one another compared to Australia, where you can drive for hours and still be in the middle of nowhere. It was cold, there was snow everywhere, and houses, especially buildings, looked completely different. The communist living blocks are something you'd only see once or twice in a major city in Australia, and were usually commission housing. Here, they were everywhere. The air outside seemed smoky, and through an ajar window, I could smell burning coal and wood. Looking back, Poland isn't anywhere near the shithole I'd made it out to be, especially compared to a lot of other countries around the world, and especially compared to how it is today. And I had yet to discover some of Poland's natural beauty, architecture, churches, and rich history. But it was still a massive shock to the system at the time, especially seeing as I was moving to this new country, During my stopover in Poznan, I had a chance to stretch out my legs, smoke a few cigarettes as I did at the time, and walk around. It occurred to me that I should probably give my new boss an update, but I truly couldn't be bothered. Or I thought it wasn't necessary at the time, or a combination of both. On the train ride there, I thought that I'd maybe jumped to conclusions, and that maybe I'd crash-landed in a not-so-impressive town in the country And that cities would be a little more contemporary. But Poznań's main train station did nothing for me either. Years later, I'd visit Poznań. And it turned out to be, in my eyes, one of the nicest cities in the country. After getting something to eat, I sat and waited for the train. And I thought to myself, just for a moment. If I could turn back, if I had the chance to go back to when I accepted the job offer booked the ticket, got on the ferry. In that exact moment, I would not have gone through with any of it. All the excitement, the build-up to the trip, the good times in Sweden and Denmark, to the slow descent into the reality of what I'd set out to do, it just kicked in. I looked up at the sign displaying the arrival time, or at least where I thought it should have been, but it wasn't there. Absolutely nothing was written on the sign. Panic set in. Uh, excuse me. Uh, excuse me. Do you know when the next train to uh, Krakow is arriving? Nerozumiem is all I would get. I don't understand. I then asked someone in uniform who was standing around. Train to, uh, train to Krakow? You know where the train to Krakow is? He shrugged. Shit, I thought to myself. I was due to leave in 10 minutes. I checked my ticket. I was actually on the right platform. And then, right in front of me, an announcement was made, and it looked like the train was about to leave. I approached another passerby. And pointing to the train, I asked, Excuse me, Krakow? Another shrug. I then approached an old woman getting on the train. Excuse me, this train, is it going to Krakow? Train to Krakow, yes or no? Nie, she replied. Jedzie do Warszawy. Huh? What are you talking about? Jedzie do Warszawy. Um, English? Ten Pochong jedzie do Warszawy. Which means this train is going to Warsaw. I had to make the call, this wasn't the train. It departed right in front of my eyes. Hey man, what do you need? I turned around and a young guy was standing there, holding his own backpack. Oh, I'm, I'm going to Krakow and I, and I have no idea where the train is, I told him. Oh shit, yeah that happens all the time here man. I'm on my way to the platform now, follow me. On a completely different sign, and on an entirely different platform, I saw the words Krakow. And underneath, next to a word that I assumed meant departing, the time was 2.30. It's nothing new man, sometimes trains at certain times will just disappear. I always make sure to check with more than one person where the train's leaving from. You know, you never know. Anyway man, my name is Pavel. Paul in English. Adrian. Nice to meet you, man. Thanks for the help. No problem. You smoke? On the train, I got chatting to Paul, who was probably the least scary person I'd met in the last 24 hours. We talked a lot about Poland. He told me about his life as a student in Krakow, a little bit about his family and what I could expect from living there. He said I was going to have a blast and that I didn't need to worry. I was too exhausted to be worried anymore. We smoked a bunch of cigarettes in between the carriages. We continued to laugh and tell each other stories. He then gave me some of the sandwiches mum had made him before he left and asked me a bit about life in Australia. Just before arriving in Krakow, we exchanged emails and went our separate ways when we finally arrived. I wandered around a bit before making my way out to the front of the train station, or Kraków Główny, as it was called in Polish. As soon as I exited the train station, I found myself in a big open square with old buildings, townhouses, and churches surrounding the center on the other side of an underpass. Through a mild hangover, fatigue, homesickness, and hunger, I felt a subtle hint of excitement again. I could tell straight away this was going to be a cool city to live in. Only, I wasn't going to be living here. I was going to be living somewhere different. Somewhere I hadn't seen yet. Somewhere not far away. But far away enough. Far away enough to... Hey, Adrian! I turned around. And there he was. Pavel. Andrzej's business partner. The one who was to drive me to Oshvenshim. Auschwitz. Nice to meet you. He put out his cigarette just as a beggar approached us for money and motioned to his right. My car is parked across the street. So how are you feeling? Yeah, good, I said. If I said that I was lying. My memory of this conversation is vague as, at the time of this recording, it was around 15 years ago. But on the hour-long car ride to Oshvenshim, I somewhat remember discussing my visa, the school, Andrzej and the other teachers I'd soon be meeting. Am I going to be meeting them tomorrow, or... No, they are coming over tonight, I believe, to give you a Polish welcoming. I didn't know what to expect, but I sure as hell didn't expect what ended up happening when I got there. Towards the end of Season 1, you'll find out what that is. And I'll also be talking to one of the people I met on that first night in Poland. And someone I'd go on to many crazy adventures with, in the small town of Oświęcim and the big city of Kraków. Join me on Season 1 of Residence, where I help tell the stories of people who have relocated to other countries. All the highs and lows, before, during and after their experience abroad. What it taught them and who they are today because of it.